Hello and welcome to ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, the radio show where events of history are examined through the discussion of books, journal articles, papers, and presentations. Then historians and history buffs ask the question, what is relevant or irrelevant in today's world? My name is Rick Sweet. And my name is Jay Swords. This is the 352nd show of ROI, and our guest for today is Stacy Cordery, professor of history at Iowa State University, who's going to talk about Juliet Gordon Lowe, the founder of the Girl Scouts. The history buffs for today's show are Brett Menard and Ed Broders. The show's theme song is Kayla's Theme, written and performed by Mark Zapsapital, and our producer and engineer, as always, is Dave Baker. This is the opening segment of the show called Farouk Tanarin. And today we'll be talking about Juliet Gordon Lowe, founder of the Girl Scouts with Stacy Cordery, professor of history at Iowa State University. Stacy, who was Juliet Gordon Lowe? Well, I think that Juliet Gordon Lowe was a remarkable woman and r- remarkable because she created the most important organization for girls and women in the history of this country. Yeah, that, that, that would be that, short and concise. That's uh, no, there's no bias there whatsoever. It's pretty <laughs> um, much so. Where I does can prove it? Yeah, <laughs> well, and, and we're going to let you. <laughs> um, so, where does Julie come? Where is she born? What kind of family life? Early family life? Childhood? Does she have? Um, you know, those kinds of things. Part of what's remarkable about her is that you would not think from studying her life that she would have created the Girl Scouts of the United States of America. And and that's part of what um, I find so fascinating about her. So let's go back to the beginning. She was um, born in Savannah, Georgia, and she was born on Halloween in 1860, so just about six months before the Civil War began. Her family was very wealthy, or at least they were wealthy until the Civil War started and then took her father off to be a soldier in the Confederate Army. Um, he was a good guy, William Washington Gordon II. Uh, I think from him, Julia Gordon Lowe, and I should tell you, she was always called Daisy. So Daisy learned the importance of duty, um, the importance of uh, the sort of never say die, uh, fight to the end. Um, if you really work hard, you'll get what you want, sort of uh, lessons from him. And uh, he was a... Um, he was a leader in Savannah society and business. He was very involved in, in charity. He worked uh, in the yellow fever epidemics and so forth. So he was a, a very important influence in her life. Her mother was a Yankee um, from Chicago. She was a Kinsey, Nellie Kinsey Gordon. So the Kinseys were the founding uh, family of Chicago. Um, and the Kinseys were... Um, a family dedicated to education, but also to civic engagement. So there were a number of authors and federal agents and politicians um, in in the Kinsey family. I think from her mother, she also learned those same sort of lessons about um, to whom much is given, much is expected, and the the responsibility of of giving back and being a part of things. Um, She grew up in a family of, um, well, let's see, there were... Uh, four, let's see, five, six children, but she lost a sister at, at one point. So she was, Daisy wasn't the oldest, she wasn't the youngest, she wasn't a boy. She had to work sort of hard to find her, her space in the family. Um, she had a good heart, she was very kind, she hated to see people be unhappy. And um, as tragedies st- struck the family, as they strike all families, Daisy learned that her best role was to be the 
maybe the family clown. I mean, her older sister, Eleanor, was very sort of sturdy and steady and always, um, you know, took care of, of things. Uh, and she had younger younger brothers who did various, or your younger brother who did other things in the family. But Daisy amused people. So she she was given the nickname by her family, Crazy Daisy, for several of her antics. Um, and, and for example, Daisy was, I told you she was kind-hearted. Once they were out, she and her mother out driving in Savannah, and there was a dead dog by the side of the road, and Daisy insisted that they stop the carriage. Daisy got out, picked up the dog, was certain she could revive the dog, took it home, put it on her mother's bed, and tried to revive it in every way she could. And, of course, the dog was dead. Um, yeah. She was worried about a cow one night when it got very, very cold in Savannah. The family cow, she just knew was going to freeze to death, so she got her mother's best blankets and in the middle of the night got up and went downstairs and tried to pin them on the, blan- on the cow and... <laughs> And the cow was most astonished. And in the morning, her mother was even more astonished when she woke up and found that all of her best blankets had been trampled underfoot. So, right. Stacy, yeah. I'm curious to, to know how, uh, well, Daisy was, what, four years old, five years old when the Civil War uh, broke out. Mm-hmm. What kind of life did she have, you know, childhood and teenage years as the war and Reconstruction went on? How, how did that affect her? She was very, very ill when the war actually ended, and and her mother uh, and the children were sent up to Chicago to live with the Kinseys, while her father tried to struggle through Reconstruction, try to get money, try to get a a home back, and so forth. So they were separated for a while, and there was, mm, I should say, pretty significant tension between husband and wife. Um, Nellie used her connections to try to get um, recompense for the cotton that... Uh, that had been taken by the um, by the armies, and so her social network went all the way to Lincoln, and she was able to get some money to recoup some money. And um, Daisy's father was was furious because she had used her Yankee connections. I mean, he had lost the war. He, it was it was very humbling. It was very difficult to see his family go off, and so there were some tough times in the family. But eventually, the family. You know, Savannah will live through Reconstruction, and the the, the Gordons will make it through um, Reconstruction, and then she will uh, she'll have a pretty normal life. She's plagued by ear infections, so she doesn't have terrific health. But the education that was so important to her mother meant that she would be sent out of Savannah up north for some schooling. Um, she made very good friends, as uh, all of your Girl Scout listeners will know that. One of our songs is, or our sayings is to make new friends and keep the old. One is silver and the other is gold. So as Daisy's biographer, I was interested in seeing uh, who were Daisy's friends and how long did she keep them and where did she meet them and some of her, her very two best friends she met during school. So she had, for her day and age and her gender, a pretty good education. Okay. Um, so those are two things then that I want to kind of follow up on. Because um, I was having the same thought: Who were her friends? What kind of a network does she develop as a mm-hmm. as a young woman um, that that she can then take advantage as she's beginning to to come up with the idea of of the Girl Scouts and what am I going to do with this and so on? Um, so talk a little bit about her education and and who those people are that really seem to form the the inner circle or or seem to have a significant influence on the the woman that she would be. She went to boarding school, so she lived away from home, and the school that she attended was 
appropriate for her social class. So she learned a smattering of sciences and a smattering of, of history and so forth. But what she really liked to study was art. She was quite good at art and uh, um, was interested in many different. She studied pottery and China painting and uh, regular, you know, painting on you know canvas as well. So she was she was that sort of she, she had that sort of schooling. Her friends were Abby Lippett and Mary uh, Gail Carter, and they were truly lifelong friends. The very last letter Daisy wrote before she died was to her friend Mary, um, and they lived through thick and thin together. But oddly, those two women had very little to do with the Girl Scouts. one One of the strange things about Daisy, and this is really leaping ahead, but when she creates the Girl Scouts, you know, she's um, 50 years old, essentially. And she's creating this organization that will change America and American life, American women's lives, American communities as a result, in significant and profound ways. And she's doing it at a time when other women are, are also changing America. This is right in the middle of what historians call the progressive era. So Ida B. Wells and Florence Kelly and Jane Addams and other really well-known women are working in, in social activism, political activism. They're working on behalf of immigrants and children and so forth. And Daisy is absolutely not a part of any of that. <laughs> it's as though she's going down a parallel track, but, but is, is not, does not really interact with them at all, really. Interesting. Well, that is a perfect segue. When we come back, we're going to have a lot more to talk about. So please stay tuned for the next segment of our show. This is ROI on KALA St. Ambrose University, 106.1 FM. KALA 88.5 FM, the radio station with the most diversity in the Quad City region. Jazz, blues, R&B, hip-hop, Spanish and Hispanic programming, gospel, new rock, oldies, news, and shows addressing local community issues. And the world's best in entertainment and news from Public Radio International. Here's something different on KALA 88.5 FM, the most diverse radio station in the Quad City region. Hello and welcome back to ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, the radio show where events of history are examined through the discussion of books, journal articles, papers, and presentations. Then historians and history buffs ask the question, what is relevant or irrelevant in today's world? My name is Rick Sweet. And my name is Jay Swords. This is the second segment of the show, which is referred to as The Kitchen Table. Our guest for today is Stacy Cordery, professor of history at Iowa State University, and we're talking about Juliet Gordon Lowe, founder of the Girl Scouts. Our history buffs for today's show are Brett Menard and Ed Broders. Brett, as the resident historian, you get the first question. And, and boy, is it an easy one. So <laughs> what leads to Daisy finally founding the Girl Scouts? Well... Julia Gordon Lowe becomes a Lowe when she marries in 1886, uh, and she marries a man with Savannah roots, but who's basically an Englishman. And his name is Willie, or William Mackey Lowe, and William Lowe is not a good guy. (laughs) He's very rich, but he's indolent. He turns out to be a gambler. He's a horse racer. He's just all sorts of things that you wish your daughter wouldn't, you know, fall in love with. (laughs) Um, and just before she marries him, those ear infections that Daisy has been having um, culminated in a physician treating her ear with silver nitrate, which is a caustic. It's used for cauterizing, and it damaged that ear for the rest of her life. 
And then, as all Girl Scouts know, when uh, on her actual wedding day, when they walked out of church and the folks threw rice at them, a piece of rice got stuck in that same ear which was already swollen and inflamed from the silver nitrate. And so that rice um, was there for another six days after during the honeymoon. And when they took that rice out, um, more damage accrued to that ear. Eventually, she will lose more or less lose hearing in her other ear. So Daisy will be, uh, for all intents and purposes, deaf. Um, she, she has some hearing, depending on background noise and so forth. So when she marries Willie, she is really uh not deaf and when she when she marries him he is not the sort of man he would grow into so they marry if i had to put this one way they marry as two people and then grow very quickly into two very different people and so their marriage is a, a, a failure in fact when willie dies in 1905 daisy is a failure by every measure of of womanhood at the time. They didn't have children, and she had begun divorce proceedings against him because he had been um, unfaithful to her. So divorce was a bold move, and it was a scandal to get divorced, but he, at the end of the day, died before she could divorce him, which is a terrible way to say this, but it's probably good that he did die because... As a widow, she could go on to create this organization, and, and parents would be happy to give their children over to the hands of a widow, but not into the hands of a divorced woman. So, um, so in 1905, when Willie died, she cast around for something to do. And she could have turned to art. Like I said, she was a very accomplished artist, but that you can't really earn a living in that. She could have taken care of, of younger family members, but her deafness inhibited her from doing that. She could have gotten married again, but for various reasons, she didn't. Um, and so one day in um, May of 1911, she, was, uh, went, she went to a, a luncheon, and she sat next to this very famous man named Robert Baden-Pole. Everyone knew Robert Baden-Pole. Um, he was a war hero, and he was ju- he had just taken in hand a sort of unorganized and flourishing movement called Boy Scouting. And Daisy did not want to like him because she thought he had gotten way too much press and uh, for the soldiering that he had done. And she had dear friends who had soldiered with him, and she thought they had not gotten enough praise and public notice. So she had set her heart against him, and that lasted pretty much until the end of the soup course. <laughs> Then she fell in love with him, and he probably fell in love with her. And we don't really know, but there are family members who say that Robert Baden-Pole asked Daisy to marry him. In the end, she said no and selflessly set him free because she couldn't have children, and and he wanted, certainly wanted children. So uh, whether they were in love or not, they certainly had a lot in common. They were both artists. They were both interested in um, doing good in the world. They were both extremely patriotic. They both shared a a kind of quirky sense of fun. And so when she met Robert Baden-Pole and learned about the Boy Scouts, she became instantly um, aware that this was something uh, to which she could devote the rest of her life happily. Okay. Ed? Yeah. So uh, did, uh, did Pole mentor her? Uh, as far as getting the Girl Scouts going? Mm, Not exactly. Bainpole had a sister named um, Agnes, and Agnes 
was given the task by by Robert Baden Powell of dealing with the girls because every time Boy Scouts gathered, there were always girls there, and this frustrated Robert Baden Powell. It's like these girls, they shouldn't be here. They're copying the uniforms of their brothers. This is not a good thing. So he basically said, Agnes, take care of these girls. So Agnes created the Girl Guides in uh, in London, and Daisy, who was a transatlantic figure because of her marriage, Daisy um, and Agnes worked together in Girl Guiding. And in fact, um, Julie Gordon-Lowe had founded Girl Guiding Troops in England, one in England, one in Scotland, before she ever came to America to start the Girl Scouts. Okay, so kind of to the extent that you can, what aspects, as she's starting to create this program, she has a, a sort of a working model to, to work off of because the Boy Scouts are, are already there and being organized as well. But where, what aspects of her life experiences led her to create the, the structure and the format that the Girl Scouts ultimately develop into? Well, she did base it on the girl guides and the Boy Scouts. For example, when she creates the first manual for Girl Scouting in the United States, it's based on that. And she picks and chooses what she wants to keep and what she doesn't. So it's got it's very much has her stamp on it. Um, but, but she uses that as the model. So she is enthusiastic about camping and civic duty and responsibility, a kind of Christian charity, um, you know, uh, doing a, a good deed a day and, and, and having fun. She was very much about having fun. She believed girls should have fun. And uniforms, she loved uniforms. <laughs> uniforms were a bit scandalous for girls, but she really loved her uniform. <laughs> um, but, but the real thing is uh, that interests me, and then the reason I think only Julie Gordon Lowe could have founded the Girl Scouts is Daisy like I mentioned, had done everything right in her life, right? She had been born into a wealthy family. She had a good education. She married on the face of it what looked like a, a pretty good guy. He had money, and they were going to have a wonderful life together and, and have children. And then she didn't. So she did everything right, and still her life was a failure. So when Julia Cordon Lowe looked at those girls in rural Scotland where she started her girl guiding troop and saw that they had virtually no economic future, well, she thought girl guiding could be a kind of a plan B because that's what she never really had. So girl guiding, girl scouting said, she said with girl scouting, we aim to make girls into better mothers and wives if they want to be mothers and wives. But if life means they're not going to be mothers and wives, then we will equip them to do other things. Well, okay. Now she's got this model out of Scotland. She comes back to the United States. She's got some money she's got a lot of contact how does she start creating the girl scouts of america uh after 1911 so she um gets on a ship and she comes back to savannah and in 1912 she gets a hold of her cousin nina pape who runs an orphanage in in a school an orphanage in um, savannah and she says famously, I have something for the girls of Savannah and all America and all the world, and we're going to start it tonight. Pretty and modest, so pretty she, modest, yes. Right. Yeah. She did nothing but, but think big. She was yes, a big thinker. Yes. 
So the, the first Girl Scout troop was probably at that orphanage in Savannah, and it was probably founded in February of 1912, even though Girl Scouts claim um, March 12th, 1912. It was, um, it was easy to start the troops because she had the model of not just the rural Scottish Girl Guide troop she'd founded, but she had also started a, an urban Girl Guide troop in London. So she had urban girls and rural girls, and she copied some of the things that she had done there. And really, it was all over the map. The, the girls in Scotland and most of them didn't have a toothbrush. So she was, there were some fundamentals of, of health and hygiene she was trying to, to get across, as well as teaching them how to raise chickens so they could sell the eggs and make money if their husbands didn't appear or disappeared. You know, So that plan B was very much a, a part of her, her mind. In Savannah, the girls loved uh, basketball. They loved camping. They loved getting out into the, um, you know, out of the city and, and into, the, into the woods. Um, they loved making their own uniforms. There, were, there was a lot of fun and games. And she, she made the troops grow by her own industry. In other words, she was zealous by, um, by recruiting girls and, and also recruiting um, adult leaders. And the reason I said Girl Scouting is the most important organization for girls and women in the world is because in 1912, most women were not working outside the home and weren't expected to work outside the home. So what Daisy did when she got adults to volunteer with Girl Scouting is she had to train them before they could train the girls. So all the girls and all the women learned all these you know, great badges that she had in 1912. The, the women had to learn how to be a child nurse and how to be a clerk and do invalid cooking and, and all the other sorts of you know, badges she had, like rifle shot and electrician and interpreter. So that was really important. And then these women parlayed, we know from studying these, uh, these um, adult leaders, parlayed this into remunerative jobs uh, later on in their lives. I, I'm, I have to ask, and I don't know that you can answer it, but my wife was a Girl Scout. Most of her friends were Girl Scouts. Mm-hmm. And they all, when they get together, almost inevitably at some point, some Girl Scout reminiscence takes place. And, and what I hear are uh, songs that everybody apparently learned, um, poems or things that everybody learned and and usually there was some moral you know whatever did did daisy create that structure is that something that just sort of developed organically over time both absolutely both she created some of it and some of it developed over time she was very big on tradition and so she was um happy to have these songs and uh, poems and traditions continue throughout um, Girl Scouting from generation to generation. She was quite proud of that, in fact. Did she, did she do some of the development? I mean, did she write some of the songs? Or, you know, artistically, she certainly seems like she was creative enough. Did she actually, was she have a hand in it, or did she just sort of encourage it as it happened? I don't know about the songs, um, but she did, for example, the, the Girl Scout um, trefoil, you know, the, the, I don't know if I can describe it over the radio. <laughs> she, designed, she designed that. She designed the pin. Daisy designed all the badges. She designed the uniform. Um, she, she, she wrote the manual. She funded everything herself. She was really a one-woman dynamo in getting this off the ground. Um, and, and so I, don't, I, don't, I haven't traced the specific songs. I don't know her to have written, but she was a poet. She wrote poetry her whole life so possibly right 
Well, it is customary that we give our guests the last word on our show. Stacy, why do you think knowing about Juliet Gordon Lowe, also known as Daisy, is relevant in today's world? Um, Juliet Gordon Lowe. Julia Gordon Lowe was uniquely responsible for this organization. And and when you think about all the good work that Girl Scouts have done, not just in World War I, which was the kind of the making of the Girl Scouts, because she was able to think about girls as hungry for civic engagement and and wanting to participate in in this national crisis. Um, But she also... But when you think about not just that, when you think about also all the work that Girl Scouts have done in communities across America, even today, I mean, the number and the type of women who are Girl Scouts and the work that they have done, 76% of all female U.S. senators are Girl Scouts. Virtually every female astronaut is a Girl Scout. Hillary Clinton was a Girl Scout. Laura Bush and Nancy Reagan were Girl Scouts. Sandra Day O'Connor was a Girl Scout. There's just so much amazing um, work that's been done by Girl Scouts, by Girl Scout troops. And it goes back to Daisy's understanding that girls uh, were were um, capable and intelligent and able to do things that boys could do. And that's why Girl Scouting grows separately, but alongside Boy Scouting. Um, and so when I think about America without Girl Scouts and all the good work that that Girl Scouts have done, it's a very, very different place, a much poorer place, I would think. Yeah, and, and I'd like to kind of piggyback off of that and, and tie it to something that we talked about in our in last week's show. In last week's show, we were talking about um, Albert Pullman, and we talked about the idea that that we very rarely talk about or discuss the failures of, of individuals, and yet failure is part of risk-taking. And it feels to me like, like Daisy falls in that same category. You know, here she has all of these things that should have gone right, they don't go right, and instead of becoming a recluse, which she could have done, she could have just sort of rolled up and, and hid herself away, she had the, the means to do so, um, she she immediately tackles something else, in, or not immediately, but she eventually tackles something else in her life and turns it into this amazing thing and i think we need to celebrate that idea that you know just because i fail doesn't mean that i may fail your and and i think for that reason of it above and beyond anything else we we really it's important for all of us not just girls but all of us to hear that story um, yeah, that's an excellent point. And she did it despite her grief and despite her gender and despite her class, all of which worked against her doing anything except curling up in a little ball in the corner. So that's, you know, just another reason why I think she's remarkable. Absolutely. Um, Rick, what do you think? You've got about, we've got about a minute. No, I, I uh, my wife was a Girl Scout. I know my golfing partner's wife was a Girl Scout. Uh the the civilizing effect um, of the Girl Scouts. Um, again, I uh, I echo your your uh, view of uh, not uh, being uh, staying down once once defeated and and uh, getting up. But I think it's just remarkable the the story of Daisy on how she forged uh, forward used all her contacts and her her skills to create something that is. And I agree with you, Stacy. Uh, probably the most wonderful thing in the United States, the Girl Scouts of America. Absolutely. Thanks. When we come back, 
we'll wrap things up, so please stay tuned. This is ROI on KLA St. Ambrose University, 106.1 FM. This program, the award-winning Relevant or Irrelevant, is heard Friday evenings at 9.30 p.m. Central Time on KALA HD2 or 106.1 FM in the Quad City area. You can listen over the air or anywhere via TuneIn.com. To hear this program and many other archived editions at any time, visit SoundCloud.com. Search for username KALA Radio. There you'll find Relevant or Irrelevant and many other productions produced at the St. Ambrose University Communications Center. This concludes our 352nd show of ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant. Our producer and engineer is Dave Baker. Our program manager is Rick Sweet. And the theme song for our show is titled Kayla's Theme and was written and performed by Mark Zap Zapital. My name is Rick Sweet. And my name is Jay Swords. We'd like to thank our guest, Stacy Cordery, professor of history at Iowa State University. And we've been talking about Juliet Gordon Lowe, the founder of the Girl Scouts. The history buffs for today's show were Brett Bernard and Ed Broders. This is ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, on KALA. The views expressed on this show are not necessarily those of St. Ambrose University or KALA. We would like to wish all listeners to experience the great Basutu proverb, Hotsa Pulinala, peace, reign, and prosperity. And remember, historians are horrible fortune tellers. Good night. Mm-hmm.